in a new house in a new town that I set up yesterday. And if there's an echo, I apologize because I have no absorbing material anywhere. Back to the, the, the old days when we started like six years ago or something. <laughs> how's, your, how's your Wi-Fi broadband? Is that okay? <laughs> yes, broadband. I have the fiber, uh, so it's, that should be okay. Yeah, guys, hi. Uh, we're recording already, obviously, as always. Surprise, surprise. We're back after, what, four months? Four <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, th- I think we should, we should do these now as, um, you know, the Grand Tour? They do specials. So now, layovers, we do specials. Whenever <laughs> we have uh, like five minutes to ourselves, we, we do an episode. Just, so sorry. Sorry, guys. It, it was my fault, to, 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 be, to be frank. We wanted to record in June, then we both had the jab, which is good now because mm-hmm. uh, four four months afterwards we're fully uh, protected. And uh, then I had a shitty month of July, uh, to be frank, didn't want to record. And then August, you were in love and doing your tour of the US. I said, you know what? I'm not going to ask him to do an episode. <laughs> and then September, well, you just heard it. Alex moved house and I'm moving next week. Yes, actually. that's so- very exciting. We just found this little window uh, between uh, two moves to record one. It's going to be uh, not as long as usual, but we still wanted to record something because a lot of people have been, a lot of people <laughs> have been like wondering, well, the hell are you guys? So uh, yeah, you've been I've, to the US, actually, for quite a long time. Yes, I, I, I have. I was uh, there for most of the summer and did some internal travels there. And then I just went back uh, earlier in the month for work, which is novel traveling and, and, for work and also um, i should mention that um, alex spent at least probably two months trying to figure out to do a recipe with uh, sainsbury cornflour from the 1980s i don't know where the hell I, did you find that I, I found it in my grandmother's cupboard which is a treasure trove for long expired cooking materials <laughs> and i you try it i didn't tr- no <laughs> I, I like being alive i, I <laughs> But it, yeah, there was a lot of debate about when that actually was from. So it was uh, it was a pretty amusing little exercise to go through. I think it's from like the early 80s, but maybe I could be wrong because I was obviously not living in this country. But it felt from the kind of design. Guys, if you don't know what we're talking about, where did you put that? I think it was an Twitter. Instagram story. I'll post it on Instagram properly because, yeah, it did, it did generate a lot of conversation <laughs> for an expired baking product, I, you know. Well, to a certain extent, it's very on point because that's where we were going back to the early 80s because uh, do you have enough fuel? Oh Petrol. God, dude. <laughs> I, I, I caught a break yesterday and I glanced over at a petrol station on my way to pick up my kids and there was no queue and I thought, well, they must have run out of fuel. Nope. But then by the time I left, there were 100 cars behind me. So, oh my God. Yes. Um, what a... What a, what a predictable mess this is <laughs> yeah soon enough we'll see uh 737s lining up for for fuel as well um if you don't know what we're referencing to it i don't know guys where you've been even if you don't live in the uk we have fuel shortages actually not fuel shortage but lack of drivers that bring the fuel yeah. to the stations and of course as soon as the government said do not panic buy everybody started panic buying and now you have queues for hours trying to get fuel and they run out every day yeah. <laughs> just a freaking nightmare <laughs> Anyway, let's start with good news. I'm going to play the, the, the little thing to say that we actually are recording. I just want to tell you both good luck. We're all counting on <laughs> so, And right after that, the music, the intro music, the short intro music uh, that you guys probably missed. There you go.
So Alex, let's start with good stuff. You have so many flights, so much travel that you've done during this uh, Delta United American Airlines pandemic. <laughs> I'm still not, I still haven't been in a, a single aircraft nor airport. It's been like 19 months now. I'm not wow. really missing it. I know it doesn't feel right to say it on a aviation podcast, but so let's start with good stuff. I don't know where you want to start. We didn't take any notes, guys. Uh, this is just riffing off. So I'm going to ask him, where do you want to start? What do you want to oh, talk about? Well, <laughs> it's it's still it's such a it's such a weird relationship now isn't it like with with flying you know you're saying you're not, you don't miss it i don't i think that the airport experience is, is is completely different even though now it's starting to get more and more um normal uh, yeah back to the way it was but it, it will i don't think it'll ever get back to the way it was and it just feels it's not the same relaxing sense of excitement and you know even though you know what's ahead of you and you can you can contextualize it within your own joy if you know what i mean like you, you yeah. don't have to take all the external you know stimuli and let that sour the the joy of wherever it is you may be going but it's definitely different and you know i was thinking about what i was going to talk about today and there's a few standout moments and discoveries and things um but the first one i mean almost resulted in none of this happening in the first place because I was flying with my kids back to California in mid-July. Yeah. And it was in the first wing of BA, which was busy because everybody was doing the same thing that I was doing. They were all just like, right, let's GTFO and go to one of the few places that we can go. I had to administer nasal swabs to all three of my kids oh. on camera for one of those services that I think I've described in the past. Yeah. My middle son was like, whatever, I got to do this. My eldest son, who's just turned 11 a couple of days ago, was like, this is this is the worst thing anybody has ever done to me, and I'm never going to forgive you. And then with my <laughs> three-year-old, I had to like, I said to the guy on the camera, I'm going to mute you, because this is going to sound like I'm trying to, you know, decapitate a hyena. So I just <laughs> muted and I did it. Anyway, but they have to like un, in the to get into the U.S. It's two and under. You have to do um, you have to do a, uh, an antigen test. Coming into the U.K., not so much anymore. But got to the airport, checking in. The lady's uh, very very kind lady was um, checking us in. She's like, hmm. she's like, do you have your kids' birth certificates? I'm like, what? No, I don't have my kids' birth certificates. I'm American. Uh, and she's like, oh, okay, that, that should be fine. That should be fine. She's like, tapping away, tapping away, calls somebody. And she's like, mm, okay. And then she says, and this is where my heart sank. She said, I need to call somebody from Homeland. And I was like, I've never heard that before. What's You're Homeland? on a watch list, Alex. <laughs> well. No, I'm kidding. Obviously. No, I mean, it was, it was, and I thought, uh oh, this isn't, and I'm looking at the, at my clock going, and my watch going. Because you know, there was really bad traffic on them. I'm like, I can't get home. My kids' birth certificates are in storage. There's no way I can get there in time. Wow. So this lady comes up in in in, in a uh, not in a BA uniform, American, works for the Department of State. Actual homeland security. Not a <laughs> this is not a BA department it's called the movie man. This is Home, the United States Homeland Security said, can I see your passports? Where are you going? Why are you going? She was, the lady was very nice. She was just doing her job. And she's like, there is a, there's the, the, the presidential, um, not edict or mandate or whatever, the um, 
that says basically you can't come you you can't come in unless you've got the kids' birth certificates. You can prove that they're yours. Um, and I was like, look at them; they look like me. Yeah, and also I'm like, I've got their my my eldest son has an American passport. My two younger ones don't. And she's like, can you go get the birth certificate? I was like, no, I can't. I can't. It's just you know, I can't. It's not going to work. And I'm thinking, ah, oh, this is this the knock on effects of this are just are are legion. And she goes, hold on a second. And she she calls and she's got this like special PDA smartphone thing where she's scanning our passports, like like the the, the RFID or NFC, whatever it is, technology. She's got all the passport information. She calls somebody up and she's like, uh uh-huh. She goes, one minute, types something into her phone and goes, This never happened. Enjoy your trip. Oh wow. And I was like, What do you mean? She's like, just go. <laughs> You don't ask questions, just go. And so I get on the flight and I, you know, we, we get to California. And I, the whole time I'm thinking, uh, what's going to happen when I get to California, to San Francisco? Of course. Yeah. You know, I would rather have had to go home and get my, you know, the kids' birth certificates come back 24 hours later than get to San Francisco with Maybe three not. tired, pissed off kids yeah. and be denied entry. Yeah. Uh, and so we get to San Francisco. Immigration people are invariably nice at San Francisco. At least that's been my experience. The guy was really chipper. He's like, okay, great. Welcome back. Blah, blah, blah. blah. He's like, um, follow me for a second. And I was like, oh, here oh. we go. <laughs> and we we go to the immigration processing detention room, which I've been in before for, for, for various other reasons. And I think I'm thinking here we go. And there's all these other people in the same situation as us, or or you know they've lost passports or their passports are expired or whatever. And I think I'm thinking we're going to be here for hours and hours and hours. And about an hour goes by, and they just say, wow. um, "Oh, looks like we've got a note from London here. You've been pre-processed. Next time, it, this you'll avoid all of this in the future if you just bring the kids' birth again." Very pleasant, very kind, no problem. But the lady did what she said she was going to do. She she did something on her end. Yeah, to actually fast track you or something. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And she's, you know, so that was a sort of heartburn way to begin begin the trip. But it's, you know, I don't imagine there's a whole lot of people listening that are in the same situation as mine. But if you're traveling with, with children that are yours but aren't citizens of the U.S., Bring their bring their freaking birth certificates. Um, that that was a stressful and unique interaction. I I, I can't imagine it's going to happen to me ever ever again. Yeah, that demonstrates how, like you said, the paperwork that needs to be done still to this day, right? I mean, after the world is still closed, but through the ones that are open, I have friends who came from the U.S. to Europe as soon as Europe opened up for Americans. Now it closed again a little bit. Mm. If you're vaccinated, it's fine. Sweden says no matter if you're vaccinated or not, you cannot enter as an American citizen. No way, Jose. So there are still some you know rules, but it's a paperwork, yeah. and the paperwork is makes no sense. I have a friend of mine went simply to Switzerland, uh, came back. So it was at a time when uh, so in the UK you need, like you just said, you need uh, pre-flight tests on the way back, and then a test when you're here. Uh, that's going to change, but so currently still the case. And the pre-flight test. You have all these, uh, you use, I think, Cured, is that the one you were yes. using? Yes. There are all these um, names. I mean, some of them are crooks and scammers, but I mean, most of them work okay. And uh, the person was using Cured, uh, so the one you're using, because 
they asked me, so which one? And I said, oh, my friend Alex used Cured and he's happy with it. So they used that. And it worked really well. The only issue is that Swiss, the airline, um, said, oh, but we need a QR code. And Cured wasn't providing QR codes. We're just providing a certificate, mm -hmm. which is a printed certificate, but it didn't contain a QR code. And they were wanting to uh, um, uh, deny boarding to that person. And uh, then they called Cured and Cured said, oh, we don't do QR codes, but we can do that on demand, but you need to ask us 48 hours before. And, and you have these little things that are not, because you, nowhere on the English UK website is there a mention of a cure code. It just mentions you need to have a test that is negative. And so you have all these little things that makes travel so anxiety prone for so many people because you don't know. And imagine if you haven't traveled, I mean, probably me, I'll have some anxiety like you just mentioned, but some people that don't are not used to travel and then suddenly you arrive at the airport and you're denied or you like one paperwork or whatever. It's just, man. Yeah, it's it, not just and I, what, what I've noticed in, in traveling reasonably frequently over the last 12 months is that every single time it's different. Mm -hmm. Even mm -hmm. on the same route, the requirement is different. The yeah. paperwork is, di especially going into the U.S. and into the U.K. Yeah, and and that's that's compounded by uh, deviations in process at di at different airports in the same country. Yeah, and then also made worse. And I don't blame them for this by uh, check-in agents. Uh, not being fully up to date with requirements. And I'm wondering if sometimes the airlines are not fully up to, no, it's not, the, the, the information doesn't go down. No, I, I, that's exactly person. what it is. And, and yeah. you know, I've, I've tried to exhibit as much patience as I can. Of course. You know, because I, I think per perhaps I mentioned in the last time we recorded, I did this once and the lady who was checking me in at the BA first wing, it was her first day back okay. after nine months of furlough. Yeah. You know, and of course she's she's drinking from the fire hose because there's so many different requirements. I mean, you think about the destinations that BA flies to, and every single one of those countries is going to have a different piece of paperwork and a different, you know, and you know, you've had and, these. And also, sorry to interrupt. But also, it seems from many friends that have been traveling mostly in Europe, because again, there's not a lot of places we can go anyway. Mm. Uh, the US is still closed for uh, for Europeans, unless like you, you have a US passport. And there are like a very few number of exceptions. I think, of course, Boris Johnson was able to go to <laughs> the UN assembly in New York. So it's still close to us. Um, but the trend that I have heard over and over is that because slightly more people are traveling, it's still not back to anything remotely in 2019, but um, the the airlines are getting more responsibility because the governments are saying, you need to check all the paperwork when they board so that they're pre-checked so we don't have to have massive queues like we like you've experienced probably at Ethro. Uh, they want to have all that cleared. So, you know, yeah. the test, uh, the, the proof of uh, location forms, whatever. And I've seen that over and over, like friends of mine were told me that in Germany, about Switzerland, about other countries. So the omen the, becomes on the, that checking person yes. to make sure that everything is Which is a lot of pressure to put on a person, yeah. you know, in that position. They've, they've trained or spent most of their career doing a very specific role. And now they are, you know, they're, they're vanguards for, for, <laughs> For that, for for health monitoring and disease prevention, and 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 you're right. I, I, you come back into Heathrow now, and there's no 
check of any of that stuff. They don't check your passenger locator form or your vaccination status. That's all much further upstream. And there's, yeah, there's intermediary apps that have come in like Verifly, which have made the airlines jobs easier uh, because they offload a lot of those um, verification processes to these companies like Verifly. So that, that helps. But, and again, now with the U S opening up to the EU or, or the so broader European continent next month in, yeah, in, in November, then I think, uh, by I'm, the way, we should mention that we're recording this on the 29th of September, 2021. I mean, it's going to be released today. So you guys know, but um, yeah, I think it's November that they are opening. November. Yeah. Uh, two, they haven't said a specific date, the but, date. Yeah. But that that's, I mean, that's going to change things a lot as well, you know, um, so that it'll be very interesting to watch. I'm not planning on going, well, actually I'm going to the U S in November, but I don't know if it'll be before or after that is the, those restrictions are lifted. So we'll see. But I mean, the flights that I've been taking to the U S from the UK have been very, very empty. Um, yeah, of course. You know, I mean, we're, you're, you're still, you're, you're looking at maybe, I don't know, 30%. Um, on the way back, however, they, I've been on flights where I think the business class cabin has been completely full. Um, cause it's open. You can actually, you, you, you can. And, and of course, if you're just going over for work, then, um, you know, people being vaccinated, they feel confident to do that. Um, but then on my flight back, um, from LA last, a couple of weeks ago, it was, uh, it was sort of the economy cabin was maybe 40% full. Okay, so it, it I think that's a gamut. it's important that you mentioned that because I'm, of course, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, as you guys know, which is ironic for someone like you and me doing podcasts. But I'm hearing a lot of very US centric podcasts. That say, yeah, we're pretty much back. Of mm-hmm. course, it's dipped down because of the Delta, the Delta variant. And it's true. I mean, and you've experienced that, and you'll tell us about stories because you've done domestic flights, uh, surely. Um, I mean, I know one because he sent me actually a picture because that, that was a landmark one. Yeah. <laughs> He'll tell you a little bit later about it. But if you look at the numbers globally, people are still not traveling. Businesses are still not sending their employees for work. There's are a few. But if you... The view from the U.S., because it's a big domestic market, probably very similar to a view from internal domestic China, is that, yeah, people are traveling. Yeah, but as soon as you start to to cross borders, which is the case in Europe, even though the EU is kind of a unitary uh, system, well, people are still not traveling. It's better, but it's still not not even close to 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 late the 2019 right so it's a i think it's something that unless you actually experience it you don't realize i mean you can watch the numbers obviously ayata publishes them every every month or something um but yeah yeah so go on i'm sorry i'm, I'm interrupting so keep on whichever no, you're story right you i mean tell, i think but. it's it's <laughs> what's interesting to me is to see i think you you have two two indicators of volume as far as i'm concerned you have mm-hmm. well three maybe you've got the the general airport right um yeah there's the, the the amount of people the hustle and bustle queues at security queues at, at um a check-in then you've got the lounges uh especially for somewhere like t5 i think that's a really interesting uh are they all open now yeah, uh not in the remote ter- terminals yeah, so that also concentrates the number of people in the open. Yeah. Right? yeah, and so I mean, when I went to to uh, the U.S. Uh, two weeks ago, the the BA first class lounge was back to what it was always like, where you had to walk I around see. for a little bit and find a seat. It was that busy. 
granted, they have removed, I would say, 30% of the seating for social distancing, yeah. which I appreciate. And, the, you know, you order your food. I think we've talked about this using a QR code. And that that's a little bit more self-service is coming back for things like coffee and water and stuff like that. Um, and then, of course, the flights themselves. And between the three of those, you can get a, a reasonable sense of how travel is going. And Heathrow is generally getting more and more bustling. Um, yeah. And... But the U.S. is 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 crazy. I mean, I did a lot of um, internal flying over the last three months in the U.S., and it's um, it's very interesting because the, the the flights all all feel rammed. I did Seattle on Alaskan was an ex Virgin America airplane with the whole sun out of it. <laughs> <laughs> we did it in first, and it was uh, it was you know nice. it, was, it was good enough and. Um, it just a very easy flight up and uh went to the to the air and space museum there of course the the museum of flight there was really interesting actually was seeing um all the 737 maxes parked on the parking lot i'd never i mean we've talked about this a lot we've seen pictures but on the parking lot behind the museum seeing all of these 737s because of course and we can talk about this more later it's still not certified in china so yep. the, the, a, a lot of them were Chinese airlines. And then seeing all these 777X test beds at Everett. Um, I think that maybe there was five all parked, ready to go run through all of their testing procedures. It's a very beautiful airplane to see in person. So I'm excited to very jealous. for those to, see, to take to the sky. Um, and then to Hawaii. Uh, yeah, that's our part of the day, basically, because you've done LIH. I don't even know Louis. what's the name of yeah. the airport, but we'll, you'll describe it probably near the end. But go, go on. So that was that was interesting for a number of reasons, um, mainly because of a discovery I made. So we flew from Oakland, Megan and I flew from Oakland uh, to Lahui, which is about five five and a half hours. And you take off out of Oakland, you turn left over San Francisco, and then you fly over the Pacific for five hours. Yeah. Nice. There's, there's nothing. Nothing. Of course. <laughs> at all. And that just sort of, that just kind of gripped me. Um, and I just sat there staring out the window for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours going, gosh, there's, there's really nothing. There's nothing until we get to Hawaii. Oh, wasn't. It was your first time in Hawaii, or have second you time to... in Hawaii. Oh, okay. I, I, yeah, yeah. I, this is the first time sans kids, where I can have a moment to sort of <laughs> look out the window and reflect, <laughs> and just go. There's, there's this this vastness, and so I thought. I wonder if anybody's written a book about the Pacific Ocean. Of course, there, there's this wonderful book by Simon Winchester called Pacific, which I strongly recommend everybody read. It's basically a biography of the Pacific Ocean, but just the the scale of it. And he uses the, I think it's United Airlines flight 147, which is the Island hopper down all the way to Guam as the sort of the vehicle, the narrative vehicle for the book. Of course, while we're, uh, there's no Wi-Fi or anything. So I'm just looking um, out the window and, and, and reading and everything. And then every time when we're in, in Hawaii and relaxing, of course, every time a plane flies over, I've got flight radar going under they're going. And of course, all of the intra-island activity, the Hawaiian 717s and all of that. But then, of course, you've got these cargo flights going to tiny little islands in the Pacific. And 
The thread that I pulled was that I looked at a flight that was going from, I don't know, Sacramento, some Air Force base to Guam or something. I don't know. And it was being tracked on by Oakland. And I thought, that's odd. Maybe that's an error. It wasn't. And this is where I dug into it. And this blew my mind. This, this is how you spend your holidays. This is how I spend my holidays. Enjoying the much, beach. Much to Megan's chagrin. <laughs> well, she, she does humor me with stuff like this. Uh, so Oakland Center or Oakland Oceanic is an air traffic control facility, which actually is not in Oakland. It's in Fremont, just south. It's in a, like a, basically a warehouse. You wouldn't know it was anything other than, you know, some manufacturing thing if you didn't know what it was. It covers about 140,000 square miles of the Western U.S., Northern California, uh, some Nevada. But it also covers 19 million square miles of the Pacific Ocean. That's 9.5% of the Earth's total surface. Holy cow. The, everything above 5,000 feet air traffic is monitored out of this place. In that, So that's that makes it the largest area control center in the world by controlled space. So it goes from basically where I mentioned, you know, Vegas, as far south as just north of New Zealand, and as far west as just east of the Philippines. Wow. And it's any aircraft above 5,000 feet in that 19 million square miles is, is controlled out of this. So as soon as you leave Hawaii, you're talking to Oakland. As soon as you leave Incredible. Guam, you're talking to Oakland. As soon as you leave, you know, Tahiti, you're talking to, and you're and you're bound for the for North America. You're talking to Oakland. The scale is mind blowing. Uh, just, just I, I couldn't. It took me a long time to appreciate. It. And you, you know, there's all these wonderful FAA documents and, and diagrams showing just how huge it is. It's by far the biggest. The next one is so the, the Car Southern Caribbean. So do you mean? Let me get this straight. So when I flew, uh, wow, it was 11 years ago, I flew to Hawaii. I flew from Tokyo with Delta, pretty sure, to Honolulu. You mean that I was probably in that? So the Japanese, this is a really good question. The, the Japanese center um, picks up at sort of... Um, I don't even, I'm, in, in terms of longitude, it's just sort of north of Papua New Guinea. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, you, Oakland comes in like um, just just east of Korea in terms of longitude. Wow. So, so I'm even yes. left wondering when I was doing the runs from Manila to Tokyo, since I was flying on, again, northwest back in the day and then Delta, Maybe so. That's all control from you. Would have you would have passed through uh, maybe yeah. a corner of Oakland, but then it's yeah. the rest of that space is um, controlled by out of Fukuoka. So I kind of this was like a, a just a rabbit hole that I went down. And guys, you now understand why I didn't want to bother Alex to do a podcast in the middle of August because he was doing that kind of things and he was like deep into knowledge for when oh, man. this podcast it, would come back. It was, <laughs> it was just fascinating to me. And it's, it's uh, the, the, the scale of it. And, you know, you sit there and you listen to live ATC and you, you know, 
I, you know, I had it running in the background um, when I would be working or something and you'd listen to, to Oakland Center and, you know, you'd have somebody climbing out of, you know, 10,000 feet from Honolulu and also somebody going, being handed off to Vegas uh, it's, or, you know, going to Midway or it was it, just the scale of it blew my mind. And it was, that sort of expounded in this 600 page book as well. It's, it's, um, it's quite a place. I mean, the, the flight to Hawaii was, and, and back were reasonably uneventful. It was a, it's a A321neo Hawaiian airlines, um, oh, Hawaiian airlines, which, yeah. which is, I, I, I like them. I think they're really a, a solid airline. They give you full meal service for free. They don't have Wi-Fi. They have streaming to the device. Um, the service where did is you, really friendly. Were you in economy, right? In or? economy, yeah. Um, they got hammered because their their uh, the COVID restrictions kept changing, and the rental car situation was really bad there because <laughs> you have a, this is a, yeah. A friend of mine is a is a tour operator in in Honolulu actually. Oh, I and, don't have. Yeah, is uh, this is the reason actually I'm up to date about what's happening, even though I'm not on on, on Facebook or on Instagram. Is um, I'm on his newsletter, um, and I kept it even if I don't go because he's a friend. And currently, they are the only ones in the U.S. that have truly these COVID passes. So you you need to enter hospitality bars, restaurants. That's, that's only like a few weeks now, so probably not where you were there. Um, they 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 require either proof of vaccination or you need to be tested every 24 hours or something like it's really in europe not in the uk but in europe we have some countries we'll come to that later having that because that impacts obviously travel but uh, yeah they're they're very strict and they had also at some point the, the governor i don't that's the term mm -hmm. also said please do not come here yeah <laughs> basically yeah i i mean the the protocol for getting into hawaii was was strict i mean we mm. When we got to Oakland Airport, there was a long queue, and I thought oh, it's a good thing we're hand luggage only. It wasn't. It wasn't a queue for check-in. It was a queue for um, COVID vaccination status. So Megan could just show her vaccination card, her U.S. vaccination card. But yep. the requirement for Hawaii is that you must have been vaccinated in the U.S. to be able oh, to do no that. Oh no way! So for me, I had to go and get a COVID, a PCR COVID test from one of their their providers i had to upload it it then generates a qr code and then you show the qr code to uh the, the check-in agent they scan it it's associated with your with your pnr yeah and they give you a uh, a wristband when you check in and then when you land in hawaii you're funneled into wristbanded versus not wristbanded people and God. If you know you're you're free to go if you've been, but they're you know they are very very strict because one it's an island in the middle of the Pacific yeah. that is yeah. utterly dependent on tourism. One slip up and they are toast. Yeah, and also they have less probably. I maybe I'm making this up. They have less capacity of you know like we've seen stories in the U.S. but also uh, in Europe as well. Uh, though Delta was earlier in Europe than in the U.S., which is still happening in the U.S. also because. Because there's less vaccination than Europe now, but um, that they were transferring, you know, basically they were managing between states or they were mm -hmm. transferring. Uh, 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 Hawaii cannot do that. At some point, you know, they are on an island, so you cannot just like say, oh, we have extra capacity in San Francisco. That just doesn't happen. Whereas if you're inland, you probably can do. There were stories actually about that. I, I don't, maybe I'm making this up, but of course they're more. Um, 
they, they would be more strict. I know that some people decry that, but I no. I, I, I mean, I think because they. I mean, being an island allows them. I think to be to be stricter. Um, and and being such a unique and attractive place, although we'll talk about Las Vegas a little bit later. Um, uh, <laughs> Did you compare? Did you just compare Las Vegas with the Hawaii? What is wrong with well, you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, Hawaii is the place I think everybody wanted to get to in the U.S. because it was domestic. There wasn't, but you still had to go through all of these, you know, the, the, these things. So it was a very interesting, you know. Uh, process uh, to to try and to try and understand that and i had to go like i said and do this at a very specific testing center and they're very strict about what hawaii is a state about what they will accept in terms of testing and certification you'll if you if you try and get a covid test in the u.s you'll you'll often see them say you know not uh, acceptable for travel to hawaii because hawaii has been very sp- specific about what they will and will not accept and I, actually it's the case in europe as well yeah. uh there are different requirements for different i mean again now if you are vaccinated in europe or with a vaccine that is accepted in europe and we'll come to that as well i mentioned it in the previous episode but that, that creates a bit of issue but there are test requirements that are slightly different like I think something to do with the number of cycles of PCR or something like that. Mm. And some countries just do uh, lateral flows and it's fine. Some other require PCR, which are more uh, time consuming to do uh, and more expensive, obviously. Um, so it's not standardized. And that, that that is not easy. At least Hawaii, you know, I guess it's uh, you need to find the right test, but I guess it's it was not too hard for you to to find. Um, I know I had the, to drive out to to Oakland, which wasn't the end of the world, and it was a drive through a test administered by somebody else, and the it wasn't wasn't cheap, but it was they did what they said they were going to do. Okay, um, and you know it's a small price to pay for being parent. I mean, it, just as an aside, we were in Kauai, which is one of the islands, and it was incredible paradise um, yeah i've never you know because my only experience is honolulu and i've been to of course like like a tourist waikiki you know like the it's it's like it's not as i, I ventured out into more you know less urban settings uh and that was really wonderful but i'll admit that i don't know um the the other islands and i, I mostly stayed in a very urban setting which was okay, but it felt like a piece of the U.S. put on a Pacific island, which is, uh, you know, maybe I've, I'm too privileged. I've seen so many islands that I found that nice, but not overly nice. Yeah. Though the other bits that were completely full of a uh, void of, of humans, basically, that was amazing. But I only just did like a day tour, if you want. Yeah, yeah. It's um, I'm, uh, some of the islands are are definitely like that. This one is is very tropical, very jungly. It's where they filmed a lot of Jurassic Park. Uh, and the descendants with George Clooney. Uh, so we went to the, the bar where some of that was filmed, and of course the airport nice. features heavily. But yeah, uh, paradise. And I, uh, I am a fan of Hawaiian Airlines in terms of product. Their, their IT infrastructure or web infrastructure, I should say, was infuriating. And I, <laughs> you know, but I think they were just behind the curve with all of this stuff. But I like them as an airline. The plane was clean and 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 it's a neo so it's nice and quiet and comfortable and five and a half hours just kind of blows by but 
that was an interesting. It's nice. Interesting it's interesting what you say because I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm using your thread to to jump with uh, anecdotes that I've seen. Um, I know you've been using the BA website and, and or app quite a lot. Mm -hmm. And to be frank, although we know that they only they are, they, they, they are plagued with IT woes, I, I comparatively to a lot of other European airlines, I find the information provided for testing and the simple fact that you directly have links with sometimes discounts to test providers is something that others are not doing. Just go on, again, I'm going to use the same example as previously. If you go to on, on Swiss, Swiss.com, which is the Switzerland airline, obviously, there's nothing. You have no idea what you're doing. You have no idea what you're supposed to do arriving in Switzerland. There's no link. Even there's a, a copy-paste, a badly copy-paste from the IATA probably database, which I say badly copy-paste because it's not formatted. So you read and you're like, where is the, the full point in that sentence? And you read five times what are the requirements and then you have to end up going to the Swiss government and then the canton let's say Geneva or Zurich and to see what because they also have their own requirements a bit like the US states and whilst on the opposite I find that BAs tried at least to give information about what you are supposed to do maybe you'll you'll counter us it's not the case but I I found the website maybe because the, the, the restrictions in the UK were so heavy that in order to put people in seats uh, BA was trying to do something whereas it feels that some of the European airlines had basically the same website as in 2019 and uh, to the point we were saying earlier about being a bit lost in paperwork if you don't have a guidance from the airline where that should be I know they will tell you you need to go to the website of the government, but try to find a website of the government of the, the Polish Warsaw, and you're like, I'm not even sure what. I, can you not just give me the the basics of what I should be doing? Yeah, it, it, it's still bad. It, for some, you're right. BA is good about that. Um, and uh, kudos for once. Uh, yeah, no, agreed. <laughs> I, I, there's a American Airlines use a company called Sherpa. Oh yeah, I've heard about that, but man. I've I've been pitched by the guy like th uh, three years ago. Yeah, I remember them very well. Oh wow! Yeah, they they use they use they use Sherpa, which is basically uh, visa and now travel restriction information. Yeah, they were so they, the we, the the way they pitched it was because of the emergence of all these electronic authorization for travel. So ESTA in the US, but now the EU is implementing it its own coming next year, uh, Japan coming next year, Russia coming next year. So basically, we have this system when you need to basically fill a form. And they were trying to help you navigate all this to pre... It, and it was a great idea. And of course, I didn't follow up, but of course, it makes sense that they would add this health component on it. It's, wow. Yeah, it's cool. it's it's good. And and you put in, you know, where you're going from, where you're going to, you know, round trip connections and all that, what your vaccination status is, and it will tell you what you're what you're arriving into uh and it's yeah it's it's cool it's cool but you're right i think um you know ba with their have negotiated discounts with all of the major testing providers both both yeah. at home and at airport and it, and it you know when it was expensive it, w it really took the sting out of it um so they've done a good job with it but one of the things that i realized is that in terms of app uh mm -hmm just quality the big american airlines are truly outstanding and just what you can i mean we've talked about this for the last five years but being able to change your seat or upgrade and all of the alerts and notifications that you get uh through them 
are, are just, um, you know, maps and how to get to your gate and blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. They're very good. They're they're very good, and they continue to improve. So that that's a that's an interesting. Um, I I don't travel on other airlines in the EU or in Europe enough to compare BA to like Swiss or Lufthansa or anybody well, else. Well, I would say Lufthansa was always pretty good. Again, for me, my experience is pre-COVID. Now, um, I mean, I still have the app, and I check it sometimes because they send me a notification. Like, don't you want to travel? Don't you want to travel? You know, because <laughs> of course I'm gold, and they keep renewing me and. So probably on some like uh, they try to tease me. It's still it's still better. Uh, it's one of the best probably in Europe. But um, yeah, I mean, I only tried American Airlines and United when I was in the US. And again, that's pre-COVID. And I found the at least the the design. We can argue forever, but the the number of features, like you just said, is amazing. Like just knowing where the flight is currently, you know, without us going to uh, one Fly of our where, apps that yeah. tracks flights, it's just give it to yeah. you right they said oh, it's delayed so you know right it's amazing yeah and all you know for for again for plane nerds like us like what's the plane and blah 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 blah. but yeah so i i've, I've been impressed by that but that's general app ecosystem in the u.s and I, that's an arms race right i mean i think you know, they're catering to uh their frequent flyers who want that information and can uh you know and want to make changes and want to apply for upgrades and uh, you know, without having to, to go to a desk. And of course, now more than ever, we, we want to avoid going to desks or anything like that. So it's, it's interesting to, to experience. Yeah, that. that's the other thing. I mean, are you able at all to do online checking or mobile app checking, or you still have to every single time go to a desk to prove your vaccination status, um, forms, well, etc.? Well, see, that's what was interesting. Whenever you flew to the US from the UK, and I'm sure it was the same for many other countries, even if you're hand luggage only, you had to have your document checked and scanned. Yeah. And so you had to go to a check-in desk. Exactly. Now with Verify, you can you can check in online for the US. Um, That's for American Airlines, right? For the British yeah. Airways and American Airlines. Yeah. Theoretically. So they say, I have I'm going to be going to the US next week uh, and I will test this theory. Uh, so uh, but I because I haven't had it work yet for me. Yeah, so they so you haven't tried the because BA was saying that they wanted to introduce the IATA travel pass for selected routes, and uh, so you haven't been given the chance to try that. One. I haven't tried that. I've tried Verifly a number of times, and I like it. This one that Hawaiian Airlines or the state of Hawaii uses is called Common Pass. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I know about this one. Same same deal. It generates a, uh, a, a COVID QR code, so it would have helped your friend flying out of uh, on Swiss. And it's it, it's pretty interesting. I'll, I maybe I'll post a screenshot of this uh, if there's any information in here that was <laughs> I shouldn't be revealing. It's not to recorded. The world. I, only I can see it. Don't worry. But, it's, but uh, you can. If was this like see now I can see yeah. Uh, anyway. My camera. There we go. It's supposed to autofocus, yeah, but go. it's it's got like what kind of test and where and by whom and blah blah blah. So yeah, that's good. It's um. I think. I mean, obviously, we we knew that since the start. This is where it's going to go, right? It's going to be streamlined, hopefully with because all this paperwork thing. Nobody wants to do it. Neither the passenger, neither the airlines. Um, the airports want people just to 
press on a put their phone or on a on a scanner and just walk through. Uh, so I think it's it's just about getting the right tool that is uh, sorry constantly updated with the latest information, every state requirements, et cetera, et cetera. And you have this as a streamline, and that should be obviously integrated within the the airline app mm -hmm. or, or website, because this is what will actually end up at some point making people want to fly. They don't want to overthink this. A lot of people are not flying. Of course, there's still, you know, concerns about some state of the virus, clearly, but it's simply because it's it's just a nightmare still to do it. It's not it's not easy to do it. So I think this is clearly the way forward. Yeah. On these, or maybe multiple. I just hope that we don't have to have 25,000 mm. different apps for every single airline in state. I, I wish that at some point it goes up to maybe one or two or three. <laughs> and so we don't have to to change and to, uh, to upload every single time a lot of different stuff. Yeah, we'll I agree. I mean, that's why I like, I think, the things like Verify definitely help the airlines and help avoid situations where, you know, if you're in a in a a BA you know outstation that they don't fly to very often and they are not familiar with the protocol, all the Ver Verify does everything and then it turns the ring around your profile picture and QR code from red to green. If it's green, right. they just glance at it and go. Everything's been done. It's been verified by a third party. I don't need to ask any more questions. They're going to be allowed into the country. So you would you mitigate any risk of of somebody, you know, and I don't blame them for not try, being able to keep up with the COVID entry protocols no. for 50 different countries, you know? Exactly. And they change every freaking day. I mean, they really the, do. The UK was, for a while, it was just a joke how, how many times they were, were changing. I mean, now it's kind of dropping off slightly. We don't have... So basically, we don't have. Um, some people say we don't have amber. We only have green and and, and, yeah. and red. Actually, yeah. I think we only have amber and red. To be frank, because if you are vaccinated, you considered green. But if you're not, that's you still have tests and everything. So we have just two lists: go and no go. Basically, yeah. it's easier, but it's still a lot of countries do that. Like, like I just mentioned, Sweden just said. Please, Americans, you just don't come here. We don't care if you're vaccinated or not, because that, the EU gave a no travel to the US about a month ago. But as always with the EU, it's a recommendation in every state, every sorry country, part of the EU can decide how they implement that. So for instance, Denmark said, only vaccinated Americans, if you're not, even if you have a negative test, we don't want you here. Sweden said no one. Yep. They probably change it because it's a bit more be extreme. And some other like Spain said, yeah, you can come test and or and or vaccination. So um, it's it just that it changes constantly. It's really hard because by the time you book your ticket, I don't know, maybe you book your tickets very last minute, like I always used to do. But if you book in advance and you never know where it's going to happen in, in th two months, you want to go to on holidays. And by the time you go to <laughs> your wife at, at the two weeks before your flight, and then everything has changed. It's, it, it's, it's, it's hard to follow, to, to keep track. Yeah, it, it really is. It's, um, and the technology will make it better. But as you say, and, and this is, we have, this is what it's going to be like. Yeah, for years. I mean, you look at yeah. countries like, well, you know, most of Asia, Australia, New Zealand, Japan, uh, Hong Kong, the, the Korea. They're not even thinking about letting people in yet. No, you know. So and when they do, it'll be they will have all these protocols wrapped around them. So oh, yeah. this is that was always years. evident from the first that Asia will be the strictest 
in admitting people. Um, it's uh, I'll, I'll talk a bit later. Uh, we have a bit less than an hour to go. I'll talk a little bit later about the experience with Singapore because they have now one of these um, corridors. You know, travel. Everybody used to talk about travel corridors in 2020. Nobody does that anymore because none of them ever worked. A little bit between Australia and New Zealand, but it's always off and go, off and go. But yeah, New Zealand said I think they want to reach 80 to 90 percent of locally vaccinated before they even think about opening. They're not there yet, but they're going fast. Australia said 80 percent. Uh, there were some rumors they wanted to le let some people come in by Christmas, but I think they've been shut down. So let's see where that goes. And again, let's not forget, sadly, um, because there's no, I hate to use that term, like natural immunity, because nobody had COVID. Obviously, now that Delta is almost impossible to tackle. Well, they're very, very, very um, anxious about opening up because, of course, as soon as you open the door, um, for people like us, basically, <laughs> we're the plague ones, um, it will be risky. So, um, uh, for instance, um, Thailand said 70%. They had this Phuket, I think it's called Phuket Sandbox or something, when you as you could go as a tourist, to, so you would transit through Bangkok Airport, but it, you were kind of in a secluded bubble type of thing, arrive in Phuket, and you had to stay a minimum stay, and basically you lived in a, an entire place that was a bubble. Yeah. Um, See, what's the point? It kind of worked, but it's still a pain, yeah. right? It's still a pain. It's not usual holidays. It's a bit difficult. Uh, they wanted to open the country on 1st of October, so in two days, and then they said, well, and it's going to be 1st of November, and they keep pushing it back. So I, honestly, more and more, I don't see Asia opening between 2022. There were rumors about New Zealand opening in end of 2022, and Australia the same. I don't know, you know, it's just rumors, basically. So, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be... Sorry, because I keep renting, but you just said it's going to go on for, for a long time. I, I think we, it's going to be forever COVID. Uh, not in the in the sense that it's going to be as dangerous as it was in in the early days. It's still it's already now slightly. That's actually it's a kind of weird period because it's it's still a pandemic. It's not endemic. It's like in between, and you're not sure. Like yeah, if things are better at least in our countries. I, I, we cannot judge for countries every single country in the world. But it's kind of this weird transition because now we have more than 80% of people vaccinated plus 16 year, here in the UK, for instance, and in Europe has caught up, so it's similar numbers. So it's in between. It, it, they, it works, you know, basically the link between um, illness and bad outcomes of illness has been not broken, but tamed. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of a bit weird period. We're not all looking at each other like, um, is it how is it? Is it will it hold? Or have, or have we have we seen this movie before? So are we back in September last year or no? Clearly not. But so it's, it's this weird thing that is um, going. I, I lost track of what I wanted to say now because I went into another analogy. But never mind. <laughs> I, I I think we we yeah. It's the forever COVID. I think yeah. It, we will. Maybe we actually will all get it, but to an extent that we'll get something that is not yeah, problematic. That definitely I'm not saying not get it in, within the next three months. I'm saying over time. Mm -hmm. Let's hope there's not another variant because until now it was almost a pattern. Every like three months we had a new one. It seems that we haven't heard anything. Maybe, maybe I don't know. We're not scientists. We cannot judge everything of anything, but it's, it's a weird period. Like it's not over, but it's better. 
Is it quiet before a storm or is it actually just quieting down? <laughs> Nobody knows. And that's why as well that a lot of companies are not sending their employees uh, for travel yeah. or even back to the office. I've talked to very big companies that I consult with and they say, Paul, it's not that we don't want to. Some employees want to return to work at least par partial par part of the part of the week. It's like last time we did it, we put all these things in place, we put the money into people back to work, and then we were told not to. So this time we're like, you know what, we're not even investing, we're just waiting. Uh, and most of them are waiting until 2022 now to make policies about this, because you know they say, yeah, let's open in October, and then three weeks later we have another issue. We've seen this movie before, so people are a bit uh, cautious, and of course it affects travel as well. Yeah. And I know that some of you guys that are listening are, are maybe traveling for business. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, not up to the scale that it used to be, clearly not. No, I mean, you look at the numbers, and I think people are seeing, you know, when you listen to the, uh, especially the U.S. airline earnings calls, they're seeing a yeah. really healthy rebound in, in leisure travel, but they're saying that they don't expect a, no. a, a, a business travel recovery ever, not to the levels that it was. Um, and even now, it's sort of 25% of what it was. Wow. Wow. Um, so you, but even leisure, I read, uh, was it during the earnings of Southwest? They said that without further government help, they're not, they won't be able to turn a profit in the next quarter. So this, it's still, so it's getting better, but it's still not to the, you know, it's still not great yet. You know, there's a disconnect sometimes from people that I'm hearing that are heavy travelers in the U.S. Friends of mine, and I'm criticizing them. Say, yeah, but it's almost back to normal. Say, yeah, but no. Yeah. You know, there's the anecdotal when you see a lot of people in the airport, and then is the actual economics of who's actually flying, the the big corporates that they're sending old people, you know, in first. It's it's still not happening. Yeah, I mean, when I flew to Colorado from San Francisco to Denver. Um, Oh, you saw Will. I saw my brother, yeah, and my nice. my sister-in-law, my niece, and um, nice. It, we flew out of T two in um, in at, at SFO. Uh, do I mean T two? No, I mean T one. Whatever the Harvey Milk one is, which is this beautiful new terminal, uh, and it was quiet as a mouse. So, wow. um, and it was, a, I think it was a month or so it was a weekday for sure. A weekday morning. And I was expecting, you know, some, a lot of movement and it was, it was quiet. So, yeah, I'll tell just one anecdote and I'll ask you about that specific flight. Um, <laughs> because you said very quiet. You remember zip air? We talked about it, which is this, uh, super low cost, kind of low cost by, um, I think Jaw. Yes, Jaw. Zip. That's so, right. I forgot so about they, that. So they 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 done some. So they had one. I think they only have one aircraft, and they've done. They've used it to do cargo because that's where they were going, uh, making money. They actually had their inaugural flight from Tokyo to Narita to Singapore, which is closed. So they had only a single passenger. <laughs> that's depressing. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> I would have loved to be that passenger, though, because yeah, yeah. being on an inaugural flight by yourself uh, would have been cool. So tell us about these um, about these flights from Colorado back and forth. From, was it, who were you flying with? Uh, well, yeah, so we we flew from, uh, and Megan came because uh, she wanted to, to meet my brother and um, sister-in-law and my, my niece, and, and she also went to university uh, in Colorado as well. So we had a, nice. a chance to go around her uh, her alma mater. Uh, the University of Colorado in Boulder, which was fun, uh, beautiful. So we flew on on Southwest because 
while the I don't think the time or the price was as competitive as United, I'm so sick of United nickel and diming for everything. <laughs> for like seat and baggage and everything. And and it's they're not good enough to be able to do that, I don't think. Uh, that's been my experience. Um and I like Southwest. I, I have good experiences with them. Anything short of three hours is, 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 is great. And I like their attitude and all of that. So it was this beautiful terminal. The food selection in the Harvey Mill Terminal SFO is just outstanding. No lounge access because the airside walkways to the lounges I could get into, they're temporarily closed because they're doing so much renovation work at SFO. But it wasn't, it didn't matter. I had... Filipino street food breakfast uh, no because way. I can. <laughs> no yeah, way! It was it was good. It was a a chain from the Philippines whose name escapes me. Forgive me, but but it wasn't the usual standard American airport fare. There were all of these great local eateries, and the the quality was outstanding. It's such a bright, airy terminal. Uh, and it was, like I said, it was quiet. So it was just a, a real joy. And so we, we went and sat over by the, the gate and, uh, I glanced out the airplane. Cause of course I'm going to do that. Aren't I, you know, it's going to be a 737 cause it's Southwest. And I look at the engines. I'm like, Oh, that's a 737 max. And I, I, cause you can tell instantly because it's got the <laughs> chevrons on the back of the engine, like a, like a D-liner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course the engines are much further forward on the wing, which we'll get onto. And then, um, you've got that beautiful <laughs> nose cone. It's a very impressive looking airplane. And I nudged, I nudged me again. I was like, Hey, remember I told you about that airplane that kept dropping out of the sky? She's like, yeah. I'm like, we're going to fly on one. And she kind of said, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I would obviously told her about it before and I, you know, I, I wasn't flippant about it and, um, I just, no, it's fine. I'm like, I'm really excited about this. I need to, I need to, um, take some pictures. So, uh, the Southwest boarding process is, is unique. We've talked about it before. You are pre-assigned a, a number, uh, not a seat number, but, a an order in the queue, A, B, and C, mm-hmm. and then a, I think it's one through 50 and you go and stand at these posts one through five, five through 10, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we were like a 35. So we get on and, um, you know, pick a decent seat and the flight was completely full. The, the thing that strikes you immediately as you get on that airplane is the lighting. Yeah. That's the photo you sent. Yeah. And I, I posted, I really need to post these on something that's not ephemeral. So I'll post them on maybe on the attache Instagram, but it's this sort of, um, I should give you. I should give you the the access to layover as Instagram because I'm not really using it, and we could oh, like, yeah, like, could like, do that, that stuff too. is perfect. That's a good idea. It's uh, there's a the Boeing have a name for it, and I can't remember what it was called, but it's um, something Sky. Uh, anyway, it, it was it basically it was a it was a a lighting version of the of the livery of the airplane, so the blues and the oranges and everything like that, and it's got this sort of recess in the ceiling that a lot of the next generation Boeings have um, that runs down the entire length of the fuselage. Really striking and impressive. It feels new and, and modern. Of course, everybody on the airplane, bar one or two of us, I think we're utterly oblivious to what they're flying on. And of course, <laughs> I glanced in the cockpit and it was 
like nothing I've ever seen before. It was like a, you know, like a little mini Dreamliner. Just I was about to say, it must be more Dreamliner-like. Yeah, four screens, hardly any dials or buttons, even overhead. Uh, nice. And, you know, it, it just what you would expect. But I sort of, you know, I hesitated for a little bit longer than I perhaps should have during the boarding process because I was just so impressed. The seats were really, really comfortable. Uh, and it was, uh, so <laughs> yeah, the flight was full. I think Maggie was on the window. I was in the middle seat and this guy sits down next to me. You're such a gentleman. Well, we kind of trade off. Gave her the window. No, I'm just saying it's good. I wanted her to be able to see, uh, coming against the, of course, the no, of course. I'm just saying it's, it's always been this big debate when you're nav geek. What do you do with your partner? <laughs> it's uh, she, I, I hope you it stays that way over time. Megan, if you hear us, tell me in five years if he's still it, doing that or it's not. It's not always. It's <laughs> she she knows how much it means to me. So on certain flights I take the window. But <laughs> but on this instance I insisted. And uh the, this chap sits down next to me, he's got his earphones in, he's kind of I think he was on business. And uh as we're taxiing out, very short taxi to the to the runways, to the easterly runways, uh I see, I glance over, I wasn't trying to be nosy or anything, but he's Googling MCAS ah! and reading this ah! New York Times article about the MCAS, <laughs> which of course is the system that was the, yeah. the such a... The navigating, the compensating system for the fuselage of, yeah. of, the, of the Max. And I, I said, is this your first flight on a Max? And he said, yeah. And I kind of wish I hadn't read that. He didn't say a lot after that for the rest of the flight, but it was a beautiful airplane. It was quiet as anything. Oh, that's good because a thirty-seven is not always a quiet. No, and and we were sat over the wing or just just slightly behind the wing, um, and it was just quiet as anything, comfortable. Uh, you felt like it had the, I know it doesn't, but it had, it felt like it had the, uh, the Dreamliner cabin humidity and, and altitude. Yeah. I think it's still a little bit higher. Um, and it leapt into the air out of San Francisco. When you come into Denver and I'd never, I've never been there before, but, um, and Megan obviously had done that a lot and, and Will as well, especially you, you get really sporting turbulence, uh, because of the, it was, you know, hot and you're high and you're coming over mountains and you're, you know, you got those mountain rolls and so you are getting, you know, there were some screamers on the flight. Let's put it that way. Cause you're getting thrown around and it's an interesting approach because you, you, I don't know anything about Denver airport, but we, you're making a lot of maneuvers at a low altitude. So even I would say, you know, 1500 feet, you're doing a sharp turn to final yeah. and you're getting buffeted around. So it's, it was actually pretty good fun. But after the flight, I sort of did the 90 second spiel to Megan. Like what's really interesting to me as an airplane dork about that airplane is how it came to be and how they fixed it, you know, and how they recertified it. And she's sort of like, uh-huh, 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 you know, but, but, you know, being, <laughs> she's, she's polite. Yeah. She's humoring me. <laughs> But it just, it was, I'm, I'm glad I got, got to do it and I'm glad I didn't plan on it because you can't tell with Southwest because they're usually used for um, Hawaiian flights because they're so efficient. Oh, okay. I mean, you look in, you, when you're in 
in Hawaii, look around and you see a lot of the maxes because that's really what they're very, very good at. But it was, it was a very, very impressive airplane. I, I really liked it. It's, you know, you fly on a Neo, uh, an A320 Neo, and you're like, it's really freaking quiet and really comfortable. It's the same kind of generational leap, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's the same right. engines, the leap engines. Uh, on the mm-hmm. on the Max as it is is uh, on the Neo, um, the and Neo. and they're and they're very good engines. But yeah, Denver Airport, by the way, what a freaking weird place. Yeah, I think when we did it, I think was it your brother that did it? Uh-huh. Because I think so, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I I've been I think on the layover. I forgot now. Uh, so yeah. weird, huge yeah. place, monolith yeah, in yeah, the middle of yeah. nowhere. And filled with conspiracy filled theories. Filled with conspiracy as well. theories. Um, just to which they play with, which is fun. Uh, guys, just re- go back to the episode, I think, with Will. I think it was a year, a year, two, wow, a year. What am, what am I saying? Two years ago? Just look for Dan D and Denver uh, because Will is explaining yeah, these such uh, a weird stories airport. with such a weird airport. Like dinosaurs and whatever. And it's amazing. And how they're uh, talking about the Max, the um, so Ryanair has gotten a few. I think its first came in June. So maybe there's a chance to fly it here in Europe, but they, I know they also broke their negotiation with Boeing. So they were supposed to get like a mega order and probably because of COVID, they wanted to renegotiate the terms of that order and very Reiner style said, you know what, forget it. We're not doing it, which probably means they're going to do it anyway later. <laughs> this so is a few seems like- maxes are in Europe. And yeah, I, 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 there's a lot of them in the U S now you see them often, uh, American, United, Southwest. I don't know if Delta have them, but yeah, very, very impressive airplane. And I'm glad I got a chance to finally fly it. Uh, by the way, the I'm pretty sure, to, I haven't been, but I'm pretty sure the Filipino chain you were uh, mentioning is uh, Goldilocks. That's it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I remember that from my time in the Philippines. Yeah, it's great. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so I had my uh, Filipino sweet sausage, garlic fried rice. Ah. <sighs> It's interesting you, what your your reaction about United, how they're nitpicking. I mean, we know that's the sorry for United fans or United employees who are listening, but we know this is always uh, a bit of the criticism of United because it feels like in this kind of people say post COVID, we're still not post COVID, we're still right in the middle of a pandemic. It's a different kind. It's getting better, but anyway, let's call it post COVID for the argument's sake. Uh, it feels like that United is trying to do a Delta. They, they are trying to premiumize, at least as their plan. Maybe they haven't started on the ground. This is why you haven't seen it. But they, if, you, if you read the latest, all the earnings, etc., United is trying to push upwards. Is it for international, at least for domestic, to try to offer better service, better food? And this is why I'm saying they try to be a Delta, because Delta was always the one in the yeah. U.S. that tried to attract kind of slightly higher premium passengers. And, Del- and United is trying to do that. It's a big transformation. I-, I hope they do. Maybe they haven't started because from your reaction like a few minutes ago, it doesn't seem that they have. Well, we, That's what I've been reading constant, consistently. We flew from, because Denver's obviously a massive United fortress. Yeah. Uh, we flew from Denver to Vegas on United. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was fine. You know what's really interesting? And I can't figure out what is the cause of this behavior what the or what the the kind of 
why you would have such different behaviors between two, two groups of people, what the influence is. So at Southwest on this flight to Denver, which was full, uh, there, uh, no one got up. No, not a single person got up. Even, even though you've got those preset um, markers, Great. everybody, you know, yep. the, you, you, you don't get on before you can get on. You cannot. Okay. Okay. Not a single person got in the line until the boarding announcement was made. That's great. Not I've never seen that. one person. And then I would love that oh, actually. I wanted to Very hug civilized. every single one of them in a pre COVID yeah, exactly. world. <laughs> And everybody gets in their place, and it's always very like, are you 34? Oh, I'm 32. I need to go. And no, no problem there. Everybody gets on board. Wow. With with the United flight, <laughs> and and not just picking on United, from my, when I, I flew from Vegas to LA, and then LA to London, but specifically on our United flight, there was just a scrum at the, at the gate when we got even close. Because American... And United, I think somebody will correct me if I'm wrong. On the on the multifunction display above the above the gate, it says X minutes until boarding, and of course mm-hmm. people just start to get close. Yeah, congregate. And of course we had a delay. I can't remember what. The, oh, they were doing ground stops into into Vegas um, because of okay. I don't know some whatever. Don't really doesn't really matter. And so we just sat there because I'm like, this, this is because on the apps, it's like your plane is, you know, and there's ground stops and all that. So we didn't move. But every just scrumming around, I'm like, we have assigned seats. There's no point on Southwest. You don't. So, you know, <laughs> just sit the F down, you know, <laughs> exactly. And the only thing I can think of is that Ameri- uh, Southwest, you get two bags checked for free. Yeah, of course. On United, they charge you up the wazoo, and so everybody's jockeying for overhead bin space. Exactly, but that's the issue. That's the, that's the almost the the dead end. All these airlines have put themselves into because they by doing this, they're forcing people to try to get as soon as they can in flights. And even someone like me, when I was flying business in Europe, I would do that because I was like, I might not have any. And that's silly because you're forcing people to fight for yeah. overhead space. Yeah, it's... it's. Uh. Have you, by the way, because that's the, since you mentioned behavior, have you experienced at all in all throughout your flight since we've last talked? And by the way, guys, we haven't talked a lot beyond this podcast, so I'm learning as as Alex is telling the story. I've experienced a lot of any, sorry, not a lot, I hope not a lot, any rage, because that's the kind of news that cuts out of the US every every two days now. And by the way, the, the FAA is saying we need to put a stop to this. There's a lot of uh, bad behaviors in flight. Of course, in front of gates, people are fighting or shouting, and it's just crazy i realized the we can all realize the pandemic and and the restrictions have put maybe people in the on the edge etc but still i mean wow have you experienced anything remotely more aggressive than before or were you one of the lucky ones that uh, i don't think we ran into any of that although what i have noticed is that irrespective of the airline and their tone of voice in in cabin announcements when it comes to the masks, uh, they are all very, very strict in their tone. Even Southwest, who is encourages their flight attendants to have a playful interpretation of the the non-safety announcements. Uh, when it came to that, they were very strict. And if they they were obviously 
um, you could see somebody without a mask on and they would make a general announcement saying it's federal law. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, as, but I don't, I don't think we saw anything. Well, good, good. Now, because of course the news filter, but I mean, if the FAA is saying that it's an issue, I think Delta called last week for a uh, um, um, national federal blacklist they want oh, to share names between sense. airlines, and uh, it's uh, it's it's really getting out of hand. I mean, I, I I don't know if it's out of hand, but it seems that it's happening every single day, multiple times. The FAA has increased the fines to some crazy amount, but that still doesn't deter people from acting stupidly. I mean, come on, guys, flying is is already something that a lot, a lot of us still cannot do, or prefer not to do. And please, when we get into an aircraft, can we have a proper, nice? Uh, uh, experience yeah. and not having people fight for crying out loud yeah, absolutely <laughs> i think it's a stress i haven't actually i haven't it's, sorry i, I <coughs> haven't uh americans stopped even like giving alcohol or something uh, on domestic many of them have brought it back but for a long time a lot of the airlines stopped because it was just causing more problems than it was worth and i can understand that uh, i think it was just pulling pouring fuel on the fire um Stupid. but now that people are getting uh, getting more used to it. I think where you have the disconnect is where you, where you, you know, you're flying from a city or state which does not have any mask rule, and then into an environment like an airport and air and an airline airplane where it is federal law. I mean, going from San Francisco, which at a city level still has a mask mandate, even outdoors. Uh, I. You know what? Every time we've been into the city, um, people are wearing masks. I can't remember. I'll have to. I should really know this, but yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Just to but, ask. Because, but then you know your, your mask compliance is is not an issue. But then I think when you're coming out of somewhere like you know, not to pick on Texas, but they've had some um, unusual administrative choices vis-a-vis COVID. Um, they that's where you run into problems. I think. Um, yeah, of course. I think that applies to, I mean, we've seen these, these type of stories actually within Europe as well, because there are very different, like curfews. I always hated curfews. We didn't have those in the UK. I, I hated curfews, the idea of curfews, because you're basically telling people, go to work, but don't have fun. Because as soon as it's 6 p.m., just, yeah. you know, go back home and don't do anything. Or go to school, for for the youngest of you guys, go to, go to school and then just go back home. And you're like... I'd rather either to tell us work from home and people can have their, you know, make their choices of entertainment. Anyway, uh, but I, I've heard uh, and read stories like that in Europe as well, where people were um, not used to different settings or curfews or mask outdoors. We never had mask outdoors mandate in the UK. I find them personally a bit silly, uh, unless it's a very crowded mm-hmm. place, but, but because, you know, I've, I've seen people driving alone with a mask i'm like raining mm-hmm. uh, but i don't want to it's easy to be judgmental so i'm not gonna yeah. <laughs> try not to be i was about to become so i'm just gonna shut up but <laughs> it's hard to adapt to other rules um and and by the way that comes to the point because i'm not going to take along because i want to hear you more uh, by the way i'm going to do the the, the 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 other stories about asia that i had in my mind i'll do it the next time uh because uh, let's do a more asia-centric next time um the 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 covid pass well covid pass are in reality in europe so in they're very strict so they're in cyprus greece uh, top of my mind guys so cyprus greece italy uh, france obviously some nordic countries i forgot which ones um and the if you come from a country that either doesn't have one or 
you don't know how to even simply get the COVID pass, uh, which is not standardized at all. There's a EU framework. It's a bit difficult. I mean, Italy is, a, is the strictest of them all. You cannot do anything. You cannot enter a plane without uh, a proof of vaccination and or recovery and or testing. That's very important. In the EU, when we say COVID pass, it includes testing negative for those who cannot get the vaccine or who haven't gotten the vaccine and recovery in some uh, extent in some uh, situations is accepted as well but anyway so italy let's say you come from the us you go to italy for holidays which is possible you need to call uh, their special numbers and websites to transform your card into a pass. If you don't do that, you arrive in Italy, you basically cannot do anything because that includes outdoor terraces of hospitality. So you cannot just you cannot eat out, you cannot dine out, you cannot do anything in Italy. France has done uh, the same. Um, and yeah, Greece as well, nothing inside. So that creates a whole... It's not only about the habit of what should I do, but also how do I get the right piece of paper or app to get into these places. And um, now with the NHS, so this is the UK thing, we can, in most countries I've tried it, uh, we can, I've tried it, Not I've not been, but I've tried the various apps, they can, you can easily translate your proof of vaccination into one that is EU compatible so that's good uh but it's still weird i mean i i always f thought that a i called it a health visa a year and a half ago that would come for international travel and that would be very strict the the idea of having something to prove entry to a bar was of course something i knew could be existing but i'm I'm slightly less comfortable with it, to be frankly honest with you, but I get it. Uh, it just, and, and besides my opinion, that doesn't count for shit anyway, it's a reality of travel. So not only you will have to have the right paperwork to enter the flight, to enter the country, but now when you are in the country, to enter various settings as well. Yeah. And uh, it's it's that's it. In Italy, that, uh, that includes trains. I mean, it's not only, it's like basically can do anything without uh, such a, a pass. And Italy went even further because they basically have a vaccine mandate. People will be fired if from their jobs if they're not vaccinated. Yeah. So they're probably the the most extreme case if you want to in 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 your eye. I think. So, uh, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I think. Well, well, I'm 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 hoping and I'm mildly confident that we'll find some kind of happy medium of of this. And yeah. I think most importantly for me, beyond the mild inconvenience for us as as these vast vaccine passport holders, that the onus for basically safeguarding the health of everybody in the bar, restaurant, nightclub, train, or whatever, isn't shoved onto some poor frontline minimum wage worker, you know, mm -hmm. that there's a, a, you know, some innovation that happens that allows just a, a simple QR code scan validation and, you know. It, yeah, that's what most of these countries As long as they do, and it's not just like, yeah. look at it, you know, just... Uh, yeah, and probably, I mean, again, you're probably right there. I mean, uh, friends of mine in France tell me if you are, especially not in Paris, if you are like in smaller towns and, you know, in, there's, they kind of look at it but not look at it. So let's not, it's not become like a crazy, you know, minority report type of state when you need to have a proof for everything. And in France, clearly it was done to push people to vaccinate because they had reached a threshold which was pretty low comparatively to other countries and i know guys were very privileged here talking about that whereas a lot of countries 
are still waiting even for the first uh, vaccine shot if they wish to. So, you know, we're talking here as if it's kind of, of a given now, but that's what they did. Europe kind of did that, I think, mostly to push people to get the vaccine to get out of it. Uh, the UK is doing okay, actually, to be to be frank. Uh, I'm not saying we won't have a little wave in October or in January, uh, November, January, I would say, but we don't have any of these tools in place where a higher threshold than the rest of Europe, so maybe a higher acceptance of what uh, living with COVID means. I don't know. I don't have an opinion. It's so hard yeah. to have to say what's the right thing to do, but this is why I was saying earlier, it's kind of this weird place where you know it's not over because you, but you kind of normalize it and you kind of let's kind of try to get on with it. But it's really hard to know what we, but meaning for travel, for guys who travel, for us, this is an added thing, especially when Asia opens, there will be an added burden of not only having the right paperwork for the flight, for the country, but then also for setting for you and me conference events. Yeah. There will be a lot of this. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, right? the reason I went to Vegas was to to do a, yeah. a conference and it was originally supposed to be, you know, a thousand people in the room and actually it ended up being 15 and lots of very high quality cameras and broadcast equipment and the, because yeah. people didn't want to want to do that. Although interestingly, Vegas, uh, I don't go to Vegas. Well, I do go to Vegas frequently for work, but I hadn't been for in work, three, yeah. three, three years and it felt busy. It, you know, the, you always, you stay in a casino cause that's where the ballrooms are and that's where the events are. And I, I went down and got a cup of coffee one morning. Uh, we were staying in the Venetian and I asked the young lady behind the, the counter. I said, is this, so is this, is this, is this busy? Is this, is this not, what, mm -hmm. where are we? And she said, oh, the, she said, this is pretty busy. Usually around this time of year, it ebbs and flows. You have quiet periods during the day. She's like, ever since it's been open, it's been nonstop. And Vegas apparently... People want to go. People well, want it's to the only place. Exactly. And it, that kind of yeah. is the point I was making earlier about it being unique. Because it's such a bizarre, oh. strange place that, you know, when you've been cooped up in your whatever you live in America and you want to go somewhere that's not like where you live, you work and you go, you go to Vegas, which is at 90% of 2019 numbers. And it felt wow, like it. Good. But good for them. I mean, good for the economy. And, and your next door to California, California was very, and still is very strict comparatively like New York. They're the two, I think, strictest, I mean, in Hawaii, mm -hmm. obviously. So you're just going next door and you have Vegas and you can, have a feeling of normalcy perhaps and you want to yeah you know, i mean escape. all of the big artists are coming back and doing residencies yeah. and, and everything and you know interestingly like I, um funnily enough cured did not send me my covid test kit in time for me to do the, the test to come back to the uk so i had to yeah. go and get one and uh there was a little pop-up covid testing place in one of the casinos in vegas i was able to walk down to and they did it very quick it was it was pretty expensive, but it was it was the only game in town, and that's that's the where we are now. You know, you go and go and blow uh, five hundred bucks on a on a roulette table while you wait for your COVID test that you just took next door. <laughs> yeah, I think we I think we'll we said that's in the start. We normalize some of this the same way we normalize. We just had the twenty year anniversary of nine eleven. We normalize a lot of the security protocols. Mm -hmm. Whatever we think about those, there's just there. a thing. You remove your bottle, your shoes, whatever, and now some some of the rules change, and over time they some get easier, whatever. And I think we'll normalize some of it as yeah. well, and that's it. I mean, some countries will be harder. I think Canada wants to 
have peop only vaccinated people in flights. Italy I just said uh, similarly. I'm not sure because there's still people who simply cannot get it. Uh, and that's um, I, I, I I don't know, but that's where the direction we're going. I'll talk about Singapore because it's um, interesting the next time because I have friends of mine who've traveled. Now there's a corridor, like I mentioned, from um, Singapore to Germany. Uh, with very strict protocol, but because we don't have a lot of time, because Alex has to take care soon of. His, uh, we, we, was the one Luke, was uh, yeah, Luke a is bit under the weather, today. so he's home with me today. Yeah, so uh, that's why I, we're not going to do a, our two hour usual two hours, and we'll do another one after my move yes. and when I get freaking very back. But yeah, it's it's a it's a kind of a different expectations and i think we'll just normalize it you'll just go to oh I, I need a test i'll go to somewhere and pretty much i've heard and maybe you can validate that pretty much all the airports now have facilities when you can do some type yeah, of testing yeah i couldn't right? find one at vegas uh which is um oh. but maybe i wasn't looking hard enough and actually it turned out to be much more convenient to do it you know a 15 minute walk and a 15 minute walk from where we were staying and across the street from one of the best tijuana style taquerias i've ever been to in my life there you go. so it's actually a pretty, pretty pretty big bonus san francisco in the international terminal have turned an entire row of check-in desks into COVID testing oh, wow. uh, and it's a rip-off and it's expensive so avoid it like the plague if you can <laughs> in switzerland uh because I'd, in germany and france you uh, so france it's still free it's going not I to see. be free anymore that's great in germany i think it's very cheap or or free in switzerland it is free for a swiss or residents but if you go to a pharmacy and you play nice they will give it yeah i mean of course we have the wonderful system here where uh you know you go to any chemist or pharmacist and they'll give you a pack of 10 lateral flow tests to get in we went to a, a stand-up comedy event at a, a a rum distillery as one does in in hawaii and no. because i again was not vaccinated in the u.s my vaccination card that's great was irrelevant and i had to i had to get um a lateral flow test and you go to a pharmacy and you pay like 30 bucks for two of them so i mean it's it's expensive um and I, you know i dare say profiteering but you know i think what you just mentioned also is interesting coming back to what you said what we said earlier about the u.s opening up uh, one of the reasons we're waiting for november is also the cdc will um decide the, the exact policy it's we know it's for vaccinated travelers so you'll have to be vaccinated to enter the u.s only americans who are unvaccinated will be still able to enter the u.s as unvaccinated people and will have to quarantine upon entry but um the type of vaccine and this i think we mentioned that in the last episode that's a bit of the still this chessboard because i didn't know about the situation that you just mentioned you had to be vaccinated within the u.s but the cdc will probably say pfizer moderna johnson johnson and actually astrazeneca and the who so i think that sinopharm mm -hmm. uh, will be accepted as proof of entry in the yeah, u.s that's what's already happening in europe actually you have to be no so, sorry in europe it's one of the i think it's called emea so that's um, um pfizer moderna and astrazeneca and i think johnson and johnson now is so there are four 
Which creates an issue because if you live in the Middle East and you didn't have a choice, because I think we said it last time, we we don't choose which, besides the US, nobody chooses which vaccines they're getting, right? And so our friends of mine living in the Middle East gotten the Sinopharm and uh, to come to Europe, they, they basically are trying to do another round. So they're going to have four shots because they want to do a Pfizer, Moderna, whichever, AstraZeneca, uh, same in Asia. And you're like, I'm not sure it's great for your body. Maybe it's fine. I don't know. But that's a bit... Uh, I know that Netherlands and Switzerland are the two exceptions. Switzerland is not part of the EU, but basically within Europe. They are saying that any WHO vaccine is accepted, so mm. that's good. And I think that's that should be I the way too. forward. I understand why countries resist. They say we need to test them within our own borders before we accept them. But the problem is that you will lead to this patchy network of how do you get in, which one you get in, and then you'll have to have 25 different shots because you want that's not that's not good that's that's not that's yeah. silly um again in a world when most people either haven't had the vaccine yet especially in, in in emerging countries and and will not not have a choice of which one um i understand the cautious the cautiousness whatever and but come on we need a little bit of standardization because it's not fair yeah to to limit people or to force them to have another round of another vaccine just for uh, to end for an entry to 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 your country um, yeah. yeah it's it's uh, again as you say uh, the standardization i think is going to be so critical for travel opening back up again would you get a third shot if i oh, you I'll answer give whatever they'll take me i'll take whatever they'll give me <laughs> I'm 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 a, I'm not an hesitant at all. I'm I, I don't think it's actually needed. That's why the CDC has said only 65 plus and people at risk. Little trick: if you're in the US, you want to be considered a risk. Just say you're a smoker and you're gonna get it. Um, <laughs> the it's a bad idea, but I, I don't know. Um, in your in the UK, it's 50 plus, and France has started to think of whatever. The interesting bit here is that for traveling is that the Netherlands and Denmark have already said, uh, though it could change, I've already said that eight months after your second shot, you're not considered fully vaccinated. So basically, they fully expect you to have a third shot, which if it becomes reality for other countries, which means that whether or not you want a third shot or think it's actually scientifically sound to do it, and not saying it's dangerous, I'm saying that I Perhaps two is enough. Well, I will want to travel. I might as just do it because I'm that's going to be the thing, isn't it? Is that this? You know, right. are, are some going to require boosters? There's so many just little ifs, buts, and ands, and all of that that we're going to have to just get used to. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I just find I just find that it's a bit. I, I get it. Again, it's in my opinion counts for nothing. But when you still have the vast majority of the planet doesn't have simply supply. We're creating a, an even more divided world when someone from X, Y country won't be simply able to come because we'll say, hey, you need 25 shots and you need to be like in, you know, the Matrix, didn't, the, the, Matrix the, the Matrix, the movie didn't warn us that we, the reason we were in pods is because we needed like a constant injection of antibodies. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> you'll have some people that will simply be prevented from traveling because they won't have the right access in their home country not that they're unwilling but and that's a, that's a bit i hope that this gets you know better within the next two three years but as you i think it's going to take a little yeah. while a little while it is going to take a while maybe last before you leave was there anything any other flight your flight back to the uk anything no um, it's uh an, interesting an american it was fine uh the lounge networks are, are reopening as um 
I slept for most of the way, but the, I think I had a fun experience um, on Friday. Uh, I flew a 737 from Gatwick to Luton and then from Salzburg to Innsbruck in the same hour. So, sorry, what? <laughs> Gatwick to Luton? Come again? So last Christmas, my father bought me an hour in a flight simulator. And this is the wow. first opportunity I've had to use it. So I drove down to to Brighton Airport in Shoreham on the on the south coast, and they've got a beautiful next generation 737 simulator. Um, and I had a blast. Um, oh. It was so much fun, and you know, learning how to program all the FMC and all of that stuff because I can fly. You know, I, I that stuff's fine, but. Um, Getting it. It's very complicated. I admire pilots after this because all of the <laughs> basically you're just trying to program a very, very complicated VCR to to do something. But it was it was a really good experience. It was virtual aviation. They've got sites all over the UK. And I just I just had such a such a great time. It it wasn't full motion, but it felt like you were moving. Because it's a full, nice. you know exact replica of a 737 wraparound screen um you know the graphics are never going to be you know flight simulator 2020 but they are enough to be convincing and they the just the the flight characteristics and the sounds did you choose did you did you choose the 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 aircraft type or was it your uh they have so these guys have they got 737 But they also have, I don't think it's at Shoreham, somewhere, they have the world's only Vulcan simulator. No way. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like a full, like, you got to climb up the ladders and all of that. So uh, the, the, the 737 is what they had available. I don't think they have anything else, but it was such a great experience. A, my God, I have, a, I have also been given so as a gift uh, something similar, but that's in Zurich in Switzerland. I think it's a 320 Neo. But I haven't been able to because I've been just, I don't know. I, I need to call them to see if it's still valid, I guess. I want to do it. They must be amazing, man. Oh, I, I can't recommend it enough. It was it was so much fun. And the the two um, former 737 pilots were uh, really fun and friendly and kind and, and kind of like, you know, I would be, I can't, I can't. Innsbruck is a very difficult airport to land at. And I got down and they're like, oh, there's something <laughs> on the runway. Go around. It's <laughs> so <laughs> had to go and loop around and do it all again and uh, it was a grand time i i loved it so two two words before we finish uh because the airport is l-i-l-i-h so how was that airport so first of all what's the name uh, of the airport exactly? airport is uh is the name i think it's uh named after and i'm gonna look it up now uh it's oh no it's not it Yeah, so Lahui is a is a town, I guess, in in Kauai, which is one of the airlines. Uh, it's one of it, what's wonderful about the Hawaiian airports is they're all kind of partially outdoor. Outdoor. So the check-in yeah. area is all open to the elements and 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 all of that. You don't walk out onto the airplane. I know in some Hawaiian airports you do, but there were gates here. Uh, it, two runways, very short runways, sixty five hundred feet each, which is not not long at all. Uh, and there's obviously a lot of intra-island traffic, which is almost exclusively done by the Hawaiian Airlines 717s. There was a competitor, but they went out of business. And then people like me, 737s, occasional 757, going back to the mainland. Uh, if you didn't have TSA Pre, the line to go through security was probably 150 people deep. 
but we had TSC pre, so it was three people deep and just marched straight through. You're into this tiny kind of sports hall size terminal with one bar, a tiny little news agent, uh, and and a, you know a long pier with I think four or five terminals, and and you're away. And like you see, you leap out, leap off the runway, and then there's nothing <laughs> until you get to America yeah. to the mainland. Uh, so it, you know. What you do have a lot of in and around the airport is helicopter activity because if it's such a big oh. tourist attraction to go and oh, fly along the canyon, the Waimea Canyon, and where so much of Jurassic Park was filmed and the waterfalls, which are just inaccessible by by road. Um, so yeah, it it it's, it was acutely. I'm completely obsessed with the Pacific now. It's it's I can't get enough of, of the lore and the and the history and just the, the facts of it and, and my bucket top of my bucket list now is to do that United Island Hopper flight. It was continental Micronesia before they bought Yeah, I was about to say that that name now I continental know. Continental Micronesia. United, I, okay. It's it's almost certainly United one one forty seven or one one seventy four or something like that look it up it's this it's this crazy uh yeah okay 174 uh and it's it's this that's that's your plan for your next I, yeah if i can if i can find the time i think that's definitely a pretty pretty solid attache episode right there yeah exactly so that that must be um, and you'll tell us all about it as well so i i wanted to go to that was one of my plans before of course covid hit i had this plan to go to fiji mm -hmm. i don't know when it's going to happen now because it's going to be closed until 2034 yeah, yeah. or something <laughs> i uh, welcome to the new world i guess now I, yeah but I, I I do have always this mixed feeling when I flow, fly over the Pacific is that it's so grandiose. You don't even realize when you look at a map of the world, especially the way they're displayed on, you know, like on flat, but it's, it's so huge. And the mixed feeling is like this admiration for it. And at the same time, this kind of, we're totally alone. It's intimidating. Here. Yeah. Some, exactly. Like... You remember when they? Sorry to bring a, a bad memory for for some people when when we lost that Malaysian aircraft. And I mean, how can you yeah. find it? Right? There's like it's this huge amount of nothingness, amount and water, of, and of space, crazy, um, over, overwhelming almost. And I think that that's what struck me is that we're going to be flying for five and a half hours, and there will be nothing—not a rock, not an island, nothing. Yeah. Until yeah, and these islands are are volcanic and. Effect. Some might pop yeah. up one day and some might disappear yeah. altogether. It's, it's <laughs> all inspiring. So that's my latest obsession. So what's your next flight? You just mentioned you're going back. I'm to going the back US. to California for uh, just a few days. Um, and then out with the U.S. reopening uh, in November to EU, we can finally start doing some attache out in the U.S. again. Um yeah, I was about to say it's probably the one of the only places when it's still we can do stuff. Uh, Europe is going to be okay, but the rest is still yeah. So it's <laughs> difficult. It's so, but you have so much you have so much fabric to the country to to the yes. US. So, so and lots of places that we've always wanted to explore. So yeah, so that would be fantastic. And um, we don't know what we're going to record next because I'm moving, as you understood, guys. I'm moving exactly in a week. Uh, I'm not very far. I'm going to be closer again to Heathrow, as in the pathway, the southern runway, final, westerly. So I'm very happy I'll be able to see from our garden 
the some nifty flights. Actually, I want to give a special shout out to Greg Annandale because he's gonna fix me to have like Alex has an antenna, so I finally have fly radar and all the stuff to actually see what's happening and not simply relying on that, but actually have these eight ADS. No, something like that. Yeah. So he's going to fix me that, like with a Raspberry Pi. Oh, that's, that's what I use. It's, it's, oh, I love it. Yeah. I just don't want to, I, I, I don't have the bandwidth to be honest with, with you these days. Uh, he, so he's going to fix that for me. So I'm very happy. So, Greg, you know, the email is coming. Whenever I've moved and I've settled a little bit, you'll be um, explaining that. And when I was looking for Greg uh, Annandale on my contacts, I think I saw, I found the other Greg, your Greg. Greg Barnes, is it not his birthday today? It's got to be close. Yeah. Right? That's what I have on my context. Yeah. So I'm not sure if it's correct because, again, I've stopped using Facebook and all these things. So it's probably grabbed the data. So if it's your if it's your birthday, Greg, happy yes, birthday. Yes, it sure is. Yeah. I don't know if you're going to listen to this, but happy birthday, Greg. And again, we don't know what we're going to record next. Probably three weeks-ish, but that will depend on Alex. And uh, we'll try to be a little bit more consistent from now on. Um, not going to promise every two weeks, but a bit more than we, we've done so far. And if Alex ends up traveling all the time, uh, some of you be ready because I might invite just guests to uh, fill the blanks whilst uh, he's uh, with Megan in the US and or with Greg, his other <laughs> love in the US for attache. <laughs> but we'll try to record another one within the next month, hopefully. Whenever I get fiber installed in my place, which uh, I think they need to dig the street or something to have fiber installed, so I need to wait. Oh, God, yeah, that's always the good time. Anyway, thank you guys for having bearing with our absence. Again, think of this as uh, Stop Gear, uh, sorry, uh, the Grand Tour specials. We'll be back for another special. I promise you that mine, my side will be more... Uh, prepared because as you can see this time i was like alex please talk and i was just <laughs> gonna think about stuff to say that's like five months worth of stuff anyway so <laughs> and uh i know exactly i probably know which airport we're gonna do next time because i want to reconnect to the story i was having you know my flights from pre-covid era and so that's going to be probably hong kong which obviously feels the heart of alex with a lot yes. of love so um see you next time Safe alex. Travels, guys and let me put the music. Where is it? Uh, there it is. Bye! <laughs>